we know what this is. This is the Delta variant of Jim Crow voting laws. And the only vaccination is federal legislation. And so you keep standing up. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of those progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. We got a very big one today. That's the craziest damn thing I've ever heard Raphael Warnock or anyone else say. Absolute wor- word salad. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, the Delta variant. But the thing is, is he he did he did like the the lawyer from Seinfeld, where he was like, there can be no vaccination without legislation. He, like w- amazing. Yeah, it's a real like John, It's like a Johnny Johnny Cochran routine. Yeah, it was wonderful. But I mean, you got to think at how I guarantee that some staff member, right, like poured themselves into that line. They're like, listen, boss, this is really going to hit in between the eyes. (laughs) What a fantastic. Let's inject the Delta variant into Jim Crow and then use it as an opportunity to talk about how like voter ID is bad. Right. It's it's so many levels of amazing because like Warnock has famously walked back the claim that voter ID is Jim Crow. So at this point, what, what's his, uh, is it just drop boxes? Is, is that the, what's <laughs> left of Jim Crow? It's the, gotta be right. Because like, if you're looking at hours of poll locations, like all that's been expanded since 2020, right? So, so the special mailbox of democracy <laughs> is, is now it's a Delta the Jim variant. Crow Delta variant. Like <laughs> if it doesn't happen, we got a pandemic of, 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 Unparalleled proportions. Incredible. But while we're on the Delta variant, let's just talk about the fact that the Ruthless Variety program coined Delta Comfort Plus. Yep. And look, the science follows. You have to listen to the experts. They knew we had good you know, branding, and they ran with it. They ran with it. They ran with it. So here we are. Uh, listen, we got a really big program. We have Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire who is the guy that literally the entire political world is waiting to hear what he says every single day because the keys to the Democratic majority in the Senate are stolen away from Chuck Schumer's greasy hands the second that that guy decides he wants to run for Senate. I ask him about it in a whole lot more in a great interview at the back end end of this uh, episode. Yeah, so I, I make no pretense of being unbiased at all in this show. So uh, Chris Sununu absolutely must run for Senate. <laughs> like, th- that's such a slam dunk for us. Like, uh, his record is awesome. Uh, his popularity in the state, he polls amazingly well, and the Dems are terrified because that's basically the Senate right there. That's that's game. It's over. He jumps in, it's over. Changes everything. He's a first-class guy, too. I can't wait for people to hear uh, what he has to say. You'll love it all. We're getting uh, closer and closer to Iowa. Guys, closer and closer to Iowa. It is. We had a little back and forth with the restaurant provider uh, proprietor who was very excited to host us. We're just like, you know, we're lining up all the ducks. This is coming together. I'm very excited. I, I'm 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 excited uh, to be able to open up this restaurant. I mean, absolute patriot. Uh, and it's going to be a great day at the fair. We're going to try so much food. We have so many guests lined up. It's going to be action-packed. Totally action-packed. 
And it could and, be and, a complete uh, for, catastrophe for, too. You never know. You got to get out to Iowa. It's going to be amazing. The restaurant is JR's South Pork Ranch. And, and they have a very limited number of fanny packs that hold bacon. They're like, uh, you know, the inside of it is like insulated and designed to hold bacon. Hold on. I didn't know this. Yes. Yes. They, I think they only have a hundred that are going to be available. Oh, so at the you got to get there early. We start at 10 a.m. Uh, exactly. Exactly. When we show up to set up like crack of dawn, you better believe I'm showing up for my bacon fanny pack. And if you're from California, you just booked a flight an hour earlier. That's the go. only way you're going to get your hands on any bacon. Uh, wow. Okay. All right. So into the housekeeping, we talk about the five-star reviews. Uh, we always like to entertain one or two at the top of every show. This is from 50 shades of bitchy, which I really like, uh, five stars. Thanks for that. Um, she says more affordable than therapy. I can't think of, I can't thank the three of you enough for bringing the program into my life. You make me feel sane and happy in what's become a pretty crazy dark world. I love the games, often find myself singing Demer Journal's theme song to myself. Any chance Duncan could be talked into writing and singing lyrics for Hollywood Hens theme? <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> uh, uh, you got to give the people what they want. I mean, I sure. Why not? Excellent. So Excellent. There's, so there's a, there's a PS here. No idea how big of a man you are, Smug. But I wouldn't bet against you versus a horse based solely on a matter of fact confidence. And, and like we say, we have this we have the most intelligent, devoted listeners. They are hundred percent right on that one. They're with you. Hundred percent the right. They're with you on the horse. I like I like this review because I mean like therapy this is the reason why we do the podcast. It's totally. Cheaper than therapy, doing you know, recording those a couple times a week. It allows us <laughs> yeah. to get a lot off our chests. And I appreciate that the listeners get that out of it too. You know, I mean, we obviously politics sucks, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and we don't want to just scream at you about stuff all day and tell you the sky's fallen. We, we hope to entertain a little bit and offer you our insights based on our experience. And hopefully it's fun. You know, I mean, that's why we do it. This is a passion project. I mean, we just, we have fun doing it. Totally. Totally. Well, great stuff. Keep them coming on that front. You'll recall uh, the previous episode, we introduced the topic of a doomsday variant and we entertained all of our various plans. If doomsday does arrive, I now feel much more confident knowing at least one of us has a well yeah. thought through plan. I do have a well thought through plan. I just want to reiterate, neither of you are invited. <laughs> we are definitely take showing part, up. To take part in said plan. <laughs> You know, I was on the clubhouse uh, last night. Uh, thanks again for everyone who 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 uh, organizes the clubhouse events for listeners of the podcast. Um, and the take last night that I, I thought was really interesting was like, hey, Duncan, like it sounds like you've got a plan. But like Smug is going to find minions and he is going to be the warlord of some roving pack of some you know motorcycle gang. And they're going to invade your hovel. They're going to invade, <laughs> no matter, you know what I mean? which I thought was a really fair point, honestly. I, I think it is. I think it is. I just like to know, um, let you both know that since we had this discussion, I have also clarified my plans. And now I have, I've received an offer on the table. I've uh, heard about this, yes. Uh, where I can go and with my family. And that is, I'm assured, fully... Uh, uh, filled with grain, ammunitions, canned food, gasoline, 
all the things that I need to wait it out. So I, I thank uh, our listener for providing what seems to be a very, very nice setup if that day should come. Yeah, yeah I see. I think I think they made a great point. I definitely would. You know, the minions are legion. They're they've shown they're an unstoppable force, strength in numbers. I think that would probably be the best plan of action is just like, you know, have minions band together and we just like rob and pillage and survive <laughs> our way, you know, through the apocalypse. I think that's probably the best option. <laughs> so the reason I bring this up is because there was a new piece in Newsweek. Uh, Smug, I think you'd even tweeted this thing out. Oh, yeah. the, the World Health Organization is already keeping an eye on several different uh, variations, shall we say. Uh, Kappa. I want to hear you pronounce these. What's no. the first one? What's the first one, Holmes? Eta. There you go. Right? Uh, which is now in several countries. Kappa, which arose in India. Iota, which first popped up in New York City. And especially Lambda, which is touring through is. Purdue. Uh, and it shows signs of having unusual success in infecting fully vaccinated people, uh, according to one study early on. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I think you're going to find news organizations now sort of, like, uniquely focused on scaring the shit out of everyone, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, like, basically what they're trying to do with this. Like, what's the news value in in this? Because you could, you could say exactly what, and we're going to have... I'll preview next week. We're going to have McCary back on. You remember we had Marty McCary a few months ago to tell us what was going to happen with the, with the, it was dead on. Yeah. 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 We're going to bring him next week to talk about all of this nonsense and, and, and shake us straight about what we should actually be concerned about. But the simple reality as he laid out in our first interview is that once COVID is here, it's always here. It's a coronavirus. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like you can, it's not like polio. Right. Where you eradicate it from the face of the planet. Like, it is something that will mutate like the flu. Which is a coronavirus. Right. So, like, every year, you're going to have to address that in some way, or, uh, some shape or form or fashion or yeah. some kind of a shot or something. Or you can roll the dice just as everyone has done with the flu since the beginning of time. Yeah. Right. I don't think this is a particularly difficult concept to grasp. I don't know. Under, I don't I can't figure out why it is that our media can't or our leaders, for that matter, can't understand like the basics of pandemics. I mean, I, I'm by no means an expert in any of this, but it took like a couple weeks to figure that out. Well, no, I mean, they're incentivized to yep know nothing and, and to freak people out and cause panic. Right. I mean, like. We are witnessing in the United States and around the world uh, two death spirals. One is trust in institutions, yep. and the other is the media and its ability. Well, they're hand in hand. Right. Well, yeah, of course they're hand in hand. But I'm, I guess when I say the media, I mean from a revenue standpoint, yeah. right, from, from their ability to make money driving clicks. All right, so they're not. Your point is that they're no longer there to inform. They're trying to stimulate in one way or another, clicks or advertising. Correct, correct. And these two things are interrelated, right? Like you know, as institutions, um, you know, lose uh, trust in a democracy, and you've got the media interested in in driving more panic and division in a democracy. Those two things go together, and it's not good. That's right. Right. That's right. So I think, uh, you know, this really shows a, a major problem 
that the media developed over over years. During the Trump years, you saw, you know, the, the, there's a, a you know very widely shared statistics that if you include the word Trump in your headline, you increase the clicks by by an average of thirty three percent. So you can have an article about like, oh, here's how you make an omelet, right? And you'll get an X number of clicks. But if you're right, here's how you make an omelet. Trump might like it. <laughs> you'll get thirty percent more clicks, and they got addicted to that, right? So they're like, okay, we get clicks. You know, we can write crazy things just to get the clicks. Now Trump's gone. So how are they going to do it? You know, they had the they had the the political bias, whereas basically the media was completely against Trump in his reelection, right? So now that they've lost that, well, they can't go the Parson way because Biden isn't good for any clicks. So they're like, well, what do we got left? Uh, let's just scare people again. That kind of worked last time. They're like, Trump is a threat to democracy. You know, uh, Trump is an agent from Russia. They got addicted to getting clicks off of this nonsense for years. Now this is their new this is their new drug. Yeah, I, I, I was told pretty reliably by somebody working inside of one of the major news organizations that towards the end of 2020, they knew this was going to happen, right? All these made, made, they knew what their statistics were of Trump in the headline, and they began testing other foils. Yeah, right. So they would just start manufacturing headlines with like McConnell in it, which which produced much lower than Trump, but it was significant at driving partisan Democratic retention. Dude, why them. do you think they're attacking Ron DeSantis? Exactly. Right now? Well, that Bingo. was the, that was where I was going. You know, that's where I was going. It's like you've got these lunatics out there. You know, we got Cuomo with all in hot water with this report and everything, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point on this program. But like, you've got people on Twitter being like. <laughs> Oh, this is just an excuse for the right wing echo chamber to ignore Death Santas, <laughs> you know. And it's like you're absolutely right; they need foils. They need it. They, char- they tried it with Tucker Carlson; yeah. wasn't terribly successful. They tried it with McConnell; wasn't terribly successful. DeSantis has had some success for them because yeah. because you get the big pushback from the right as well, so it generates traffic, pe- more clicks, more. I mean, that's why it's happening, right? It's like. DeSantis is just kind of being a good governor, right? I mean, if you were to take all of the media hyperbole and partisan attacks out of his political profile, you would see a governor that's a pretty mainstream governor doing conservatives conservative reform that's pretty well liked in his state. Yeah. Which is incredible, right? And yeah. he's he's in cycle. He's up for re-election. So so they know, okay, well, we gotta we gotta hit this guy. Sure, his numbers may be better than New York. Uh, and, and we said Cuomo was, should conserve running for president, but we got to start, you know, trying to weaken DeSantis. They've already spread a ton of like, you know, made up conspiracy theories uh, like that one lady who said that she was responsible for like maintaining the records for Florida. They found out like oh, everything yeah. she said was untrue. She she, she like filed to run uh, for Congress. Turns out that like she's just funneling the money to herself. Like journals <laughs> ran with all this stuff yeah. because they're like, well, DeSantis gets clicks, uh, and we should be attacking him because he's in cycle. What was the what was the porn lawyer's name? Avenatti. Yeah, perfect example. So so like the, the Avenattis of the world, right? Just sort of surface when we talk when they when media finds a target, right? And that's what you're referring to, Smug. Is it like the whole bunch of Florida Avenattis surface to try to attack the guy? And it's just it's something else. It's something. Well, do you you remember the the Grim Reaper, the the guy who would go onto the the beaches in Florida? Yeah. And then lo and behold, the guy sets up a pack and he's asking for donations. Big surprise. Big surprise. Big surprise. 
All right, before we get to our next topic of TikTok Texans, uh, I just want to say Chris Sununu should run for Senate. Absolutely. <laughs> Great transition. All right. So the TikTok Texans, folks, we were all over this. I think the Variety program led the way on exposing these frauds, but they're not done yet, right? So so there's some of them. They're supposed to all still be here, but their cause, which is the Delta variant of Jim Crow, or Jim Crow of Delta variant, I forget how Raphael uh, Warnock put that thing together, but it was brilliant. Uh, it's apparently not Delta variant. We know they're not scared of Delta variant, so that's probably not an effective message with this particular Good group. Good point. But they decided to take a European vacation. Good for them. Oh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Delta. they don't have to worry about you know, are they going to catch COVID? They're like, we already got Delta. They're like, we got, we got some immunity. Let's just jump on a plane. Well, if you'll, if you'll remember like, like uh, last week or whatever, we, we talked about it on the program that uh, the Texas Democrats were raising money to send care packages yeah. to these poor, <laughs> these poor state uh, house members who are stuck in DC, you know, like set, Send them a toothbrush, you know, <laughs> or a, send, send them a Dr. Pepper. They were asking for like candy. Hard yeah, right. Lo and behold, they're jet setting to Europe. <laughs> Unbelievable, Griff. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's that's like so it was insulting when they were asking for donations to begin with. Yeah. But then the fact that like a few of them just take a jet to Portugal. They're like, <laughs> well, let's just take a vacation. Thanks for the care packages. Yeah, and their, and their excuse was, well, it was a non-refundable ticket. I mean, we planned this thing. We got to go. It's like, I mean, listen, democracy may be under threat, but the ticket's non-refundable. Non-refundable. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we need toiletries, but make them travel size. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, if everything you said could be a three and a half ounce increment, I yeah. need this to be TSA compliant. <laughs> Chris Sununu should run for Senate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, next next topic. Um, uh, Kristen Nunes should run for Senate. Uh, after being called out by Ruthless, Obama has scaled back his birthday bash. Oh. We did it again. We did it again. Another W for the old program. <laughs> so I think you had the hottest take on that, Smug. Uh, your take was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you've, got, if you've got Pearl Jam booked, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna walk out on that. Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't say. All right, guys. You know what? Actually, pandemic, very dangerous. Uh, Pearl Jam. Sorry, we're canceling it. But no, it, dude. It, it, no, dude. Pearl Jam's playing my birthday. But it tells you to me the theater that liberals have about COVID, right? Oh, yeah. Because if you read about this party, which I did for last episode, they had a COVID event planner, right? So there was a person. In this, in this party planning unit, which you can only imagine, right? This had to have been like a multiple, multiple million dollar party. There was yeah. one person charged with coordinating the, the vaccine uh, passport, essentially, of all of the attendees. But you also had to provide a negative test, right? So all of these people who were attending this party had to go through this vac this 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 person to prove that they didn't have COVID and that they were vaccinated and they still canceled the damn thing. Right. 
What in the hell is that? So it's all optics. Right. It's just we now have a new cottage industry for performative theater. That's you it. You know, that you just bolt on bolt on a, a COVID czar to your party. That, that's it. So there, were, there was zero chance that they were going to have a COVID outbreak because of the precautions that they put into place. And yet they still, still couldn't allow the liberal sort of like concoction of what's happening be set aside for a minute to actually listen to Pearl Jam and, and hang out. I, I went to a Pearl Jam concert and it rained during their show. It was amazing. Yeah, like, dude, that inc- sounds pretty awesome. Like in, in incredible to watch that show in like a light drizzle rain coming down and the lights are up, you know, in like late at night, right? Because obviously the main act. What's the what's the what's the time frame of this? I'm trying to get the album. Uh, this was like early 2000s, maybe. No, was this like Yield? No, this was uh, after that. It was, um, I think, it was at Austin City Limits. Okay. Uh, festival. So it would have been like 2013 or something. I went to a mid 90s show where they did the ten after 10 came out. Yeah. Wow. And I got to tell you, dude, it's still in my top two or three. It's just really, really a just a great show, really great show. I know they, I know they're not a huge fan of conservatives, but I like their music. I like their music. I love how we go all full boomer when we talk about music. Yeah. Like, well, you know, top concert for me is probably Fleetwood Mac, Massacre <laughs> Garden. Yes, first first concert I ever went to with my uh, with my parents, Fleetwood Mac, the reunion tour. Really, first time That's I smelled marijuana. One. Huh? Didn't know what it was. <laughs> Haven't put it down since. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do drugs. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Chris and Anu should run for Senate. <laughs> that is really the best transition. All right. So um, I, we found an Olympian everybody should support. Uh, you may have seen this story. Um, it, it, there is a, a gold medal wrestler, female wrestler, who was the first African-American woman to win the wrestling gold for the United States of America. And she's just charming as all get out. Just an absolutely wonderful athlete. I'm not sure I'm, um, I'm pronouncing her name right. It's, I think it's Tamara Mensa Stock. Um, but her, her, her interviews afterwards were all about, she's got the flag draped around her shoulders, looking great. Yeah, she looked like Rocky. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And she's asked, you know, you got the American flag. This is, this is cynicism of reporters, right? It's just classic. You got the American flag wrapped around your shoulders and it looks pretty good. How does it feel to represent your country at a time like this? Like, clearly they're like, let's see if she gives us some, some yeah. stuff to work. Yeah, with. take a knee. Yeah, right? She says, that feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. Oh, I love it, man. It's just so good to hear. I hate the fact that that's a news event, at least to me. Right. But boy, it just feels good, you know, to hear. We just got to have more of It's that. nice. It reminds me a little bit. Remember when uh, we talked about Thug Rose, the uh, UFC fighter? She's like a straw weight. And she was she's like strongly anti-communism yeah, yeah. and totally based. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, totally. So anyway, there's a Olympian you should root for um, in other Olympic news. And this goes to our uh, ongoing discussion of horses. In horse news. In horse news. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this picture in the AP, but there's a picture 
of this, like, <laughs> apparently Japan put a, a life-size sumo wrestler in the middle of the course, right? Like right by yeah. one of the jumps. The obstacle course for, for the, uh, the Olympic equestrian course. Right. They right. put this like sumo right by a jump and it just freaks the horses out. <laughs> so, so the riders are all complaining because the horses like come around the corner and see the sumo and just stop dead in their tracks. <laughs> Yet again, dude, they're soft animals. They're easily tricked. <laughs> I want to know, do you think, Smog, if you like positioned yourself in the middle of one of these tracks that you could stop these horses. I mean, there you go. Like you could easily, you know, they're looking at the fake sumo. That's when you go for the roundhouse. Do you think it's easily tricked animals? Do you? you, So maybe part of the plan is you like, you take your shirt off, you get one of those cloth loincloth things and you just stand in front of it. The thing's too damn distracting. Well, I I would say let's fight on, let's fight on a question course. (laughs) You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick you pick horse. I'll pick where we fight. It's the question, uh, course, right there. And you just They're jumps. tricked by a fake sumo, man. These are not smart animals. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Chris and Nina should run for Senate. Excellent. Excellent transition. <laughs> um, Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, is tanking. Um, you won't hear it anywhere. Nobody, everyone wants to talk about how well he's doing. Um, but he's actually not. And Americans are are turning the corner on this. Um, yeah. Part of it is the economy. Part of it's COVID. Private companies added 330,000 jobs in July. That was it, 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 juxtaposed with an estimate of 650,000 that we were supposed to create. Straight up just half. Yeah. Half. Right. And this was like this a couple months ago, the summer of, you know, great employment and fun and all these oh, things yeah. that Biden was talking about. Not so much. Not so much. And it turns out that it has not gone unnoticed by independent voters. There is a new poll that's out. I think this is a morning consult poll. Yeah. Um, it shows that independent voters, their views, their views on handling the economy and the pandemic have sunk. Uh and inflation added to a part of that. But he's now underwater. Like, independents have a more negative view of Joe Biden than positive view. That should ring alarm bells in Democratic quarters. And I think I think they're starting to see this, which is why they're going so hard on the blame game. Like, you saw those articles where they're like, uh, Biden administration at war with the CDC over confusing messaging Right. And right. then you, then you have a uh, uh, Saki go out and be like, also, uh, now I'm going to attack Ron DeSantis. Like <laughs> they are totally trying to find a scapegoat. They're like, hey, guys, don't look at this. Look over there. Like, yes, we did not meet our Fourth of July vaccination rate goal. Yes, uh, we created half as many jobs as were expected for us to do in the month of July. But listen, uh, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yeah, Ron DeSantis. I mean, that's basically what they're saying. But now 51% of dis- of independents disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. I mean, the whole pitch behind Biden is the uniting of independents with Democrats in order to get to 51, right? If that is going south on him, I can assure everyone the Republican base is going nowhere, nowhere. If those independents start keep migrating away from Joe Biden and these Democrats with what they're trying to do. And they will, because what they're trying to do is horrific. And we talked to a lot of people about this over the last few weeks. And the tax policies that they're trying to implement alone are, are would destroy our economy. 
absolutely destroy that. Well, I mean, it's they they are number one. They were clearly unprepared. They continue to be unprepared, and w- when they're not unprepared, they're lawless. Like this, the the whole uh, um, rent situation is is just encapsulates it perfectly. They all tried to punt it to each other, right? So the Supreme Court's like, actually, Congress needs to uh, renew. Uh, this this legislation the it moratorium be, yeah yeah this yeah, is the, the, the moratorium. moratorium you're talking about yeah, yeah. exactly and uh, and so they're like um, uh, so yeah we're gonna wait for Congress to do that I don't uh, the Biden administration's like we don't have you know the standing to be able to pull that off Nancy Pelosi you know her members the squad starts being like Nancy get back here let's get this done and she's like actually uh, it's on uh, the CDC only the CDC can do this it's the it's damn like, craziest thing you've ever heard in your life somehow the Centers for Disease Control is in charge of American housing and then they actually played the card and the, the, the strategy behind this is they know it's lawless they know it is lawless well they said as much yeah and they're like this is just buying us time so that's how our government is now operating under Joe Biden and, and unified Dem controls they're like break the laws until we're stopped but think about a provi- that is one of the most pernicious moves I've seen a government take in a long time. It, it, yeah. it invades private ownership unilaterally without a single act of Congress to to say that people cannot be evicted from their home. After, by the way, look, we've been paying unemployment plus six hundred bucks for a year plus. We've been sending multiple rounds of checks. There's no excuse at this point not to be able to pay your rent when the government is subsidizing joblessness. Also, what does it do for faith in institutions when you have uh, the Center for Disease Control calling the shots on this? Like, what? It's nuts. What, 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 what about if you have a mortgage, right? And you're, Or if you're like, I don't know, paying property taxes. No, you know, the property taxes never get never get any relief. I no, no, no. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, the teachers they don't want to show up. Uh, they're still taking the property tax, though. Well, let's yeah, let's talk about the teachers. Chris Sununu should run for Senate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> teachers, teachers clearly don't want to go back to work. That's just the bottom line. The teachers union voted to oppose mandatory vaccinations for teachers at the same time. They voted to say that schools shouldn't open where teachers are in danger. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Let's just think about this for a minute, right? The only consistent policy that teachers union has had is we don't want to go back in to work. That's it. That's it. It didn't matter if it was the rise of COVID, the decline of COVID, the member for a long time, it was the schools need updating for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And, the ventilation systems have never been safe. Right. Right. And then and then we appropriated like, you know, the entire GDP of India uh, to, to try to figure out. And they still haven't spent it. It, it gets distributed out and they're like, oh, we haven't even touched that money yet. And we put them in the front of the line to get vaccinated. Right. Right. You know, right. Ahead, of, ahead of seniors. You know, ahead of immunocompromised people, we put teachers there in front of the line and they still can't get our kids back to school. Like you got a choice here, right? But the choice doesn't involve not going back to work. That's not, if you want to have a vaccination, great. If you don't, great. But you don't get to say, I'm not going to take a vaccination and I'm not going back to work and you have to pay me and your kids aren't going to get schooled. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. All right. Um, 
I want to get back to the polling thing for a minute because I don't know if you guys saw. By the way, Chris Sununu should run for Senate. Yeah, breaking yes, breaking poll shows Chris Sununu should run for Senate. Yeah. Um, along the lines of this red wave thing, there was a great piece this week in Politico about DCCC, that's the Democratic Congressional Committee uh, polling, that showed Republicans with a six-point advantage. So they're warning their own at this. The, the, the chairman of that outfit, the DCCC, Sean Patrick Maloney, was with a crowd of Democrats, and he, according to uh, Politico, delivered a blunt warning. If the midterms were held now, Democrats would lose the House. Oh, love to see it. I mean, it couldn't happen to a better group. Uh, Debbie Dingell, who was there or addressing another group of 50 Democrats, said, we're not breaking through. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 that's probably because they don't have a good message. Right. Their message is that, like, we're in control of everything and everything is going to hell. Uh, <laughs> inflation is up. We, 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 we had half as many jobs as expected created in July. Americans are paying an arm and a leg for gasoline. This is, this is not a great record. So of course they can't break through on that. No. And your kids can't go to school because the teachers union voted, uh, who, who were entirely beholden to voted to, to not go back. And by the way, if they do go back, we're going to teach them critical race theory. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to say it doesn't exist. And when, when, when you find out that they actually voted to put it in the curriculum, they're like, well, actually, uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. right and not to mention what's happening at the border like we i know we bring it up every episode but my goodness you keep seeing it oh record after record yeah the media told us this was all seasonal and lo and behold we're, we're breaking records every month just the other day they announced a new record for july in border encounters it's a long it season. ain't going down it's a real long season <laughs> makes the baseball season seem like a like a pretty short deal yeah, right. And the, other, and the other thing to think about here, guys, is like, you know, when you look at generic ballot numbers, um, you know, Republicans typically don't do well in that polling formulation, like not as well as Democrats. Oh, yeah. Right. No, like so yeah. like like a like a, a straight up dogfight, you know, election, you probably still are at a like a Dem plus three on the generic. Oh, yeah. You know, um, so to have Republicans at plus six, we're really probably like plus nine. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, these are the races in particular that they need to win to keep their majority. And so he says, you know, it's, it's gonzo. We all know that there's a lot of work to do, but they're, they're in a big problem. They got a really big problem. I love it. Love to see it. The, the number that I really loved is it said voters disapproved of congressional Democrats handling of the economy by a margin of 41 to 55. <laughs> Think how freaking partisan you have to be to be in the approval category. Well, they're, like, <clears throat> they're in a tough spot, though, on this here. It's not going to get better. I mean, because, like, here's the thing. Jen Psaki can sit there at the podium and blame Ron DeSantis. But if if she wants to keep having the, the job numbers, like, that's an easy way to do it is to shame everyone back into lockdowns. Yeah. Right? So, they like, they can't do both of these things at the same time. They can't hit their economic goals and also shut our country down again. No, but I mean, that's where, honestly, the ideology of a progressive liberal comes into play here. Right. Right, because at one point, yes, they, they do want to get reelected, but as we've seen, every time they have unified control of government, achieving that socialism goal 
always seems to transcend everything else, right? Right. Like they really just want to put us back into a play, place where we're entirely state controlled. Yeah. That's what that's what they want to do. And it's now showing up in the polls. God bless it. I love it. We got to keep we got to keep pushing. Um, one way to keep pushing, by the way, would be Chris and who ran for Senate. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to just briefly hit our good friend, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Um, wow. What yeah. a week for that guy. Yeah. Yikes. So we saw this AG report come out where it just haddles him with all kinds of inappropriate behavior with his staff and everything else. But what entertained me was and not- cops. Cops, like the, how 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 out of control do you have to be? And this is also the problem is he has had such like his family has had such like an iron grip on New York. He thinks he can get away with it with cops. <laughs> he sexually harassed the doctor who COVID tested him during a press That's conference. Unbelievable. Out, out of control. Unbelievable. <laughs> So, so, but much more entertaining because I, we knew this, right? Yeah. We knew this. We knew that it was coming out. We now have details, which are kind of entertaining, but I really, the way that he responded to it is next level. It's next level. It's <laughs> next level. I mean, because you would think that you would read this report and it's a spectacle. And so you'd go up there, you'd read a statement and walk away, right? <laughs> no, you double down on the spectacle with the slideshow montage of you being inappropriate with other people too. <laughs> He's like, listen, I just, I, I, I touch everyone's faces and I kiss everybody. Yeah. I'm a creep. I'm a creep to everybody. That makes it okay. <laughs> Look at, and he's narrating. He's creepy. That was the best part. He was like, look at, here's a, there's a creep shot. And they there. time it. He was like, I kiss young people. And they show a couple of young people. <laughs> I kiss old I people. Kiss old people. And then they show old people. It's like, what? He's walking through. Like you imagine preparing the slide deck. All right, boss, this is great. When we show the young woman, you say young people. And then we're going to show an old person, uh, old people. And I'm going to say, there's a powerful person here. It's Al Gore. I'm, I'm kissing him on the lips. If you're listening to this and you didn't see this slideshow, I mean, you really missed out. Because it wasn't just Cuomo. <laughs> he also had, like, slides of Joe Biden kissing people. Other people do it, too. But He's then, like, if I got to go, everyone's coming with like me. Like, a coup de gras for me was that then he shows George W. Bush hugging a woman in the aftermath of Katrina. Yeah, yeah, these are the same thing. What me absolute me, monster. Me inviting an aide to play strip poker is the same as George Bush hugging a woman after Katrina. What a ghoul. What an absolute monster. So I had I had a theory. I was talking with the buddies. I think like uh, one of the effects of lockdowns is it made people kind of deranged. <laughs> oh, like, for sure. It happened to me. Like, like his staff has to be like deranged to think, Hey guys, here's here. Here's how we do this. We go with a PowerPoint slideshow of him kissing and touching a ton of people. I think this works. What was the hope? What was the hope? Was the hope that like in a best case scenario, every single member of the media that's sitting there and like all the people of New York watching it are like, yeah, yep. No, it turns out everybody's creepy. So let's just let's do something else, I guess. Well, I, I you know, I, I can't blame him for trying. I mean, they tried to give this guy an Emmy for his coronavirus briefings. Wow, yeah, that's true. While while he was putting COVID positive old people in nursing homes and oh. killing them, and they tried to give him an Emmy. There is there is no shame left. Do you guys think he goes anywhere? No. Smug. That's tough. That's tough. I mean, I don't. You know what? I'll, I'll take the side if he doesn't finish out his term. I think I, I doubt he resigns. 
I think there's a decent chance they get rid of him. You think they'll impeach him? I think so. Wow. Well, they have turned against him. There's a whole bunch of people calling for his resignation, which, you know. They did that last time, though. Yeah, I know. I, I just This one's harder to ignore. The details are pretty brutal. Well, they ignored him getting all those old people killed in nursing homes. They yeah. did that That's pretty well. That's something, though, isn't it? That's something. Like, they're like, all right, he killed, like, thousands of people. Uh, you know, so many people lost their loved ones because directly because of his decision-making. Uh, not calling for him to resign for that. No, but they don't actually really care about that, right? Because it happened in Pennsylvania and Michigan and other states, too. Right. right, so we couldn't talk about it because it would implicate a bunch of other yeah, Democratic like, governors. Like Murphy in New Jersey yeah. is going down, you're Pennsylvania, Michigan. They, they can't talk about that. But the Me Too thing, well, that hits a Democratic core, right? Yeah. So, I don't know, Smug. You might be right, but I, I, I'm so cynical. I don't think there's any shame left. I feel like he's just ready to go forever. I mean, what's he doing today, right? Just probably sitting there pushing paper around. I mean, God knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Well, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point that's a very I, I can tell you this that if i was a, a woman on his staff i'd be looking over my shoulder a lot I yeah that. um all right guys let's play a game oh let's do it before we play a game though we should talk about how chris and Nunu should run for senate <laughs> that's a good point it's okay we'll play how about king of the hill today let's do it yes Yes. Wait, so uh, Smug has our champion, Jen Rubin. Brainworms is back. Yeah, she she really was in top form. Um, a lot of folks, I mean, it's Jen Rubin, man. Does she need an introduction? No, no, she doesn't. But here's the thing is on Twitter, you know, I was tagged quite frequently by a lot of a lot of folks who, <laughs> who were making suggestions for Holmes to, to bring someone to the table. I try to ignore them because I don't want to prejudge as judge and jury. As judge and jury. Mm-hmm. But I am curious, who did you ultimately select, Holmes? So I did. The, the, the Minions had a great impact on me this week, a big impact. And I think several people just said, basically, if you don't play Radio Free Tom this week, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, you know, look, Radio Free Tom is Smug's guy, right? Dowd's my guy. Yeah. Uh, but he's got the queen. Mm-hmm. So I, I got I to gotta do something. And I mean, it's Clash of the Titans. It's Clash of the Titans. Yeah, it's, it's Clash of the Titans. Here's the problem with Radio Free Tom, and I now have sympathy for Smug. Going through that guy's timeline, holy cats. Yeah, he's prolific. I mean, he tweets about everything all freaking day. He has a job, right? Uh, well, yeah, that might come up. Uh, <laughs> that might come up. <laughs> but, but I had to go with him. It's just too good. Okay. All right, well, let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for our main event. In the red corner, fighting out of the Harvard Extension campus, a former two-time champion, Radio Free Tom Nichols. And now, in the blue corner, hiding out of the Washington Post, and current champion of the world, Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. Oh, 
It's, Fantastic. I love I love that intro. God, I love that intro. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited about this. True, this is truly a clash of titans. I'm a little nervous because I happen to see Ruben takes this week. Yeah, when when you're getting tagged and takes, I mean, and multiple times, same person. Woo. There was a couple of them that I saw that I was just like, "Holy cats!" I do, yeah. pr- I, I I do purposely avoid it, you yeah. know. So like the self denial in in recording the program of these takes so that I can hear them on the pod really is my favorite part of doing this. <laughs> All right. Hey, Smug, uh, what do you got? Yeah. Smug's got to go first. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with the one that I got tagged in oh, multiple no. times. I know I, the one. replies to this, the replies to this were so good to begin with where we had Andrew Follett say, this tweet is why you're comfortably Smug's queen of the hill. Like <laughs> you knew the take was fire. Here we go. August 3rd, 12.36 p.m., Jen Rubin. The difference between D's and R's. D's reject harassers and embrace vaccines. R's embrace harassers and reject vaccines. The first the, the, the first thing I'd introduce in evidence for this is like the current administration. <laughs> when you've got a, 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 a harasser and a denier like in, in the White House, it's, it's incredible. Oh, it's good. Oh. All right. So one of the things that I have come to appreciate about Radio Free Tom is just what an aristocratic asshole he actually is. Right. And like he just can't bother himself with like what normal people think about. It's just like it just offends his core. So he's reacting on August 1st to a Washington Post story that says Maryland gave away $2 million in vaccine lotteries to boost vaccinations. Right. And he's quoting from it to start. He says for people who have, this is like a, a dissenting opinion in the article for people who have mistrust. It makes you more suspicious. That's the quote from the article. He says, okay, here's a way to overcome suspicion mandates. My God. So, so, so his solution, this guy's such a dick, is you're trying to incentivize people to go get vaccinated. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's great. You like money? That's, that's sweet. How about I just force you? I mean, this, I, is just, I, this, I, is, this is standard MSNBC lib take. It's just such a. Jen Rubin is like on a different level. Like it, the worms crawled out and started typing. That like difference between D's and R's. D's reject harassers and embrace vaccines. R's embrace harassers and reject vaccines. Yeah, that I, is just. I get that's, that's worming. That's so worming. I get. I get it, smug. But like the same could be said about that Jen Rubin take. Like that's that is pretty standard fare for most. That's of like an, the that's original. Lips. That takes creation on her part. No one else does it. it no it, one else brings it. What I do like about that take is how it sets sets up this juxtaposition. You know, like she really thought a lot about how she was going to phrase that, which I really do appreciate. <laughs> what I like about Radio Free Tom here is that this is one of his hobby horses. Oh, yeah. Like like what upsets him so much is, you know, like giving people Krispy Kreme donuts for getting vaccinated oh, or like French fries. Yeah. It, it just offends him at his Because core. it's a normal person thing. Right. Right. He doesn't like that. And he, he also it. he also has that trend that, that, that like... <sighs> In his mind, the liberal spin is entirely true that the only people that don't get vaccinated are like 
Trump voters. Right. Right. So you can feel the contempt. Yeah. I, well, well, yeah. If we're going to get into the competitors like character development, I, I'm going to bring it up when Jen Rubin uh, on March 25th, 2020 tweets, watching Andrew Cuomo is inspiring, uplifting, fascinating. Oh, he's he leaves details and humor and math and common sense all together. He is magnificent. Let's just listen to him. Judge, can we approach the bench on this? You, yeah, <laughs> approach, approach the bench. Uh, there is no precedent in this particular court for entering multiple tweets. It's not multiple tweets. It's uh, about the character development. You're talking about like the, the story arc of Tom Nichols. This is part of the Jen Rubin story arc. I believe it is the case that we were afforded one tweet. The objection round. is sustained and Smug's second tweet is stricken from the record. And it's stricken with prejudice. Uh, round one goes to Holmes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. So this is the problem with you being out of the studio recording this week. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just like I like the play. I like I like the fact <clears throat> that we had a new component to King of the Hill there. That was nice. Um Okay, so I've got the second round, and the reason that this all came to my attention, and, and Tom Nichols entirely, is because of an interaction that he had all week long. So for a week, he has been trolling this woman, Ellen Carmichael, who's a, a public relations professional, also a writer, at NRO, prolific on Twitter, got quite a following. She had some questions that she tweeted out. Brett Bear picked up one and asked the question, right? Okay. So for four days, this guy harangued Ellen Carmichael and Brett Bear about the audacity that he would have to ask a question that she somehow put forward first on Twitter. Wait, so so he he read one of her tweets. And yeah. that has Radio Free Tom very angry. He's very angry. Because she's like a PR professional? Right. Okay. Right. So <clears throat> what, what, what's what's the tweet? This is a legal submission of evidence. Right. What is her, what's her tweet that he's so upset about? Well, the initial question I don't have in front of me because the initial question had something to do with an interview that Brett Baer was doing, like almost in real time, right? What he ended up doing was trolling both of them for four straight days and like unbeknownst to Ellen Carmichael, right? And so she wakes up and she's like, my God, this guy has been trolling me for four days. I, she, she says, I feel sorry for him. Someone of his age and self-declared credentials spends all day and night being a jerk online. As you pointed out, he's drawing attention to this cruel, unscientific travel ban, which is the... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is the the the... the Biden administration doesn't let even vaccinated people from uh, foreign countries come into the United States. Right. This is the love is not tourism. Yeah, thing. that's right. This exactly. seems this seems like a personal thing oh, it's, for it's very, Ellen. Because, yeah. I would imagine. Well, so I don't have any idea if she's being paid, as he alleges, okay. to do this or not. But what know. I'm saying, this isn't like some very divisive red meat conservative right. issue. No, no, no. He's just offended by the fact that her question has been used. I, I wonder whether he's being paid by the other side. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> part of my submission here in this tweet is is the reason this background is important is because, I A, I wonder if he's being paid by the other side, and B, it's a misuse of the internet. For four days, he's trolled this person online. She questions his credentials, 
and his objection to this unscientific travel ban. And rather than defend the his position on the travel ban, he says, I'm 60 and my credentials are posted online for everyone to read. In addition to a full-time jerkitude, I teach two institutions. I write for two major outlets and a few others and just launched my seventh book. Not sure what Ellen Carmichael does all day. <laughs> it's a complete dick. What an asshole. And, and I'll remind This is you, the guy who tweets constantly. And, but I'll, I'll remind you, he initiated this. He initiated this. It's a lot of buildup for just that. I, I, I'm sending my, because you have to see the tweet. That's part of it. You're sending it to me right now? Yeah. You see You're it, submitting it, evidence. I, yeah. This is so great. Can I, I, can, I, can I approach the bench again? Wow. This is allowed. Okay. Well, look, I just want to make an argument. Okay. At no point is there precedent in this courtroom for showing visual evidence. Yes, there is. Well, the, yes, there is. There when is, we were looking at that, the, the winning tweet. Where oh, it was yeah, like, overruled. Person, overruled, yeah. Holmes, Boom. because there's time, there is times I have personally had to Google and look up and, and see a tweet because it might contain an image or something like that. I think, I think there's precedent in this courtroom for okay. looking directly at the evidence. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing the tweet <laughs> you just, can you read it for our, for our audience? Absolutely. Here? So uh, July 30th, Stephanie Rule. Deadline Hollywood says that the Walt Disney Company announces vaccine requirements for employees. Steffi Rule says, wow, 225,000 employees. Jen Rubin reply, yes, double exclamation point. But the Y is lowercase, the E and the S are capital. Shit. It made sense. (laughs) This is why he submitted the visual evidence. Shit. It's next level. I mean, I hate Stephanie Rule. Uh, We've talked about this previously on on the program. That reply is like so boomer and so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Holmes, I think you did a fantastic job selling it. You really did. You really did. Uh, but I cannot argue that it's better than this, which is Jen Rubin wins. Smug I, wins round two. I, I, Let's go. I do not object. I didn't know that there are upper and lower cases involved. <laughs> God dang it. She's always got something new. Well, okay. All right. Just 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 to give you a little more insight to the judge and jury here. There's a lowercase Y. There's capitalized <laughs> E, S, and double exclamation points. <laughs> <clears throat> However, and this is what really sealed the deal for me. Smug didn't even really sell this component to it, but it's Twitter web app. It's not from her phone. <laughs> She's sitting at the computer going handy. At the computer, unable to type correctly, which she types for a living. <laughs> oh, my God. It's pure gold. So good. And that's that's basically why the judge and jury is as good as, well, as, got the as job. he is. That's why he's got the job. That is well done, sir. Well done. All, All right. right. You're up, Smug. Round three. All right. Well, I got I got a couple to choose from here. Let's see. Okay. <clears throat> I think again, this is about knowing the character. So Jen Rubin, uh, she she tweets out August third, eight a.m. article from Washington Post saying it's questionable whether even the most astute political scientists, economists, and sociologists could have fixed Afghanistan and whether a more focused mission could have been completed in a shorter time. This is from probably the number one warmonger in U.S. media who has pushed any war the U.S. has ever gotten into harder than anyone else. 
And now this is her take in the aftermath. Incredible. <laughs> it's a tough deal. She, it's she's definitely went from neocon to straight establishment lib, no question. Um, I think I got something for you though. I've been saving the best for last. Radio Free Tom, August third. Prepare for more but Cuomo excuses now that he's been investigated and, and should resign as the anti-anti-Trump folks try to excuse DeSantis and other GOP governors for killing thousands of people on the rationale that reigniting a pandemic is okay because Cuomo is a dirtbag. <laughs> all of it wrong. That like, is literally all of it. <laughs> you know what I, f- I find so interesting about that is the people like Radio Free Tom who complain the most about whataboutism sure as hell like it a lot. <laughs> And we talked about this earlier on the episode, right? Like that, you know, every brainwormed lib who's defended, you know, Cuomo for the last year is going to do everything in their power to redirect the attention of the media to Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and here it is encapsulated. In the, and and I, I what I love also is <clears throat> when he says anti anti Trump in here? Yeah. Well, you're, isn't your take just anti, anti, anti Trump? <laughs> like, like we could do this, you know, forever, forever. It's just keep adding antis. Just add antis. <laughs> but, but, what really sealed it for me was the inclusion of the DeSantis thing in Cuomo, right? And the allegation that GOP governors, DeSantis foremost amongst them, is quote killing thousands of people on the rationale that reigniting a pandemic is okay. It's okay. Because Cuomo's a dirtbag. Because Cuomo's a dirt. It's a pivot so hard it could break your neck. (sighs) Smug, can you read yours one more time? Absolutely. From Jen Rubin, August 3rd. It's questionable whether even the most astute political scientists, economists, and sociologists could have fixed Afghanistan and whether a more focused mission could have been completed in a shorter time. Just Gosh. how insulting it is for her to say that. It's how insane. insulting. Wow. Um, I mean, it's incredible, especially from Jen Rubin of all exactly. people. Exactly. The most insulting, like. And you're playing a little bit to the judge and jury here. Yeah, he, hates <laughs> you know. this, he hates this issue, but he also just covered with great, I would say, articulation, the DeSantis formulation earlier in the episode. And it. Yes, I can't deny it. The brainworm queen has been defeated. Radio Free Tom's the winner. Holmes wins. Also, that third tweet from from Tom was bananas. Absolutely bananas. Hoisted on your own petard. I knew it with the, you know, what I wanted to do is make sure that I gave Smug a worthy challenge with his own man. and, And he... It took a lot of work to get through the 8,000 tweets that he's had this week. Yeah, seriously. I feel like you've also gotten better at selling him, <laughs> you know, which is a tough thing. Like, Smug was really good at selling Radio Free Tom yep. previously, <laughs> Yeah, you know. But uh, part of the strategy in this game is, you know, getting into the mindset where you can sell it. Sell the character. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, you know what's idea. easy to sell, though? I mean, Chris Sununu, he should run for Senate. 
I love it. It's the best bit we've got. It's good. Um, you know, I was thinking one of the things that we should do before we go to this interview really quickly. Um, we've had intern Kelly here all summer at the Ruthless Variety Program. She has done incredible amount of work for us. Dude, she's done. So, I mean, she built our entire YouTube archive. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got a bunch of things in the works that will come online. She doesn't know that we're doing this. Uh, we're bringing her into the studio right now. She looks oh, a I little see her. intimidated. She, she looks a little nervous. But she you got, looks a little nervous. But but she has been such an all-star on the radio uh, program that I feel like we need to at least bring her on, say hello to the Minions. Kelly, say hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, we first want to thank you for all of your work. Outstanding work. I mean... We, I don't, we would be nowhere this summer with everything that we've tried to do without you. And we just wanted to publicly thank you for your help. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. It's been a lot of fun. I definitely didn't know what to expect, but I've enjoyed it. So This is definitely not the sort of standard internship that uh, I'm sure a lot of your classmates are going through here. No, definitely not. Um, if people ask me, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm working at this podcast, and it's like <laughs> super cool. The people are great. And everyone's like, oh, what's it called? So I tell them, and then they'll, if they go listen to it, they're like, Whoa, that was not what I thought it was going to be. I was like, yeah, I know. It's probably the best response you can get. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's definitely not what a lot of people thought it would be. What, what, are, your, what are your parents uh, think about the old variety program and your involvement? Uh, they love it. They think it's great. Um, I think when I like interviewed with you, I told you that it sort of feels like my family does like big family dinners and everyone gets a little loud and rowdy and nice. it sort of feels like that. And so I think they like it. And my parents will like when there was like an article in Fox about the program program. program. There you go. There, you there go. She's getting it. Yeah. Um, and my dad will like text me or be like, did you see this thing? Or he was like, you should talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, dad, I'm not actually on the podcast well, you, are now. you are now you are now <laughs> you are now yeah. oh that's awesome well so you're going back to school elon mm -hmm. a big year you can tell all of the people you've dominated the airwaves here on the ruthless variety oh, program yeah. i'm sure there will be a big hit uh but literally we can't thank you enough it's been our pleasure this has been an incredible experience for us we hope that you'll continue to be a part of the team here even after you're gone. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, it's been great, and you guys are all great, so I'm just, like, happy I got to know you guys. But Awesome. Awesome. Intern Excellent. Kelly. Can we get a soundboard round of applause? Yeah, can we, get, we, need to, we need to get the soundboard in here. There we go. There we go. There it is. Standing ovation for Kelly. <laughs> and, uh, and now for our main event, uh, Governor Chris Sununu should run for Senate. I can't tell you how excited I am to welcome our next guest. This is a guy who, in my estimation, has more capability of changing this country and, and restoring conservative order, basically, than anybody else on the planet. Governor Chris Sununu, welcome to the program. Uh, well, that's quite an intro. Not, yeah. uh, no pressure. Yeah. Well, I'm not, listen, I'm not- <laughs> Save the world. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I genuinely believe that you're kind of the key to American Renaissance here. And- uh, 
But we'll get into all that. We'll get into all that. I want to start with what you're up to in your current gig. Uh, how's everything going in New Hampshire? Uh, it's going great. It really is. Uh, we're, we're blessed. Obviously, uh, we all had a year of hell last year, and it was yeah. it was tough. Every state was a little different. Governors uh, across the board just had to kind of grab what they what they could and, and design the systems and create the solutions that they could for their states and all that. So we don't need to relive that. Uh, I always do say the most amazing part of the pandemic is every single person, 330 million Americans, uh, could write their own novel about what the pandemic did to them, right? Their business, their, the insecurity of their health, their families, uh, long-term, short-term decision-making, careers, all of it was, was um, potentially changed. So no one was immune from it. And so in, in that way, it was very binding, right? It was, in some ways, we could all galvanize around it a little bit. Um, unfortunately, everyone had a different approach. And what media has done is, is forced all this politics and politicization of things that really aren't political, right? The, the virus last time I checked is not registered to vote anywhere. And, and <laughs> it is not party affiliated. So um, there's a lot of that. And so maybe that's one of the, the continuing challenges we really have other than still trying to manage the Delta variant. That's very serious and we have to keep an eye on it. But the biggest challenge I think we all have is right now is making sure we, we do kind of rally around something. And we do say, look, there are some things that don't need to be political, right? There are some things that, that are really above that. And I think the odd part is we're looking to political leaders to drive that leadership, to bring people together above the politics, which is very, it's, a, it's an oxymoron, right? It's, it's a paradox, That's but right. it can be done. And so I take that part of my job probably as, as serious as anything lately. And, and the results are there. I mean, New Hampshire, we're, we're, our economy is very open. Uh, it's, it's people are running in here, businesses, individuals. I mean, the Northeast tends to be obviously more liberal, but we are the live free or die state. And That's uh, right. You're fiercely independent in many ways, but look, you raise a really good point. And what we've seen in a number of different states is you can take it in the direction where everything is divisive. Everything is a, a riot, a minute crime. People just sort of turned on each other over COVID. And then you have states like New Hampshire where you know, I think you're right. I mean, by and large, it seems like people have pulled together and the economy is roaring. Um, listen, you're, you're walking on water over there with your, your approval rating, but I think it's because of what you just said. It's basically this understanding from political leaders like yourself that we are in this at the same, at the same point and we've got to get, get through it together. There's no doubt. And, you know, every day I'd come out for the press conferences uh, up here in New Hampshire and uh, some of the Democrats would say, well, you had all those press conferences to build, you know, good, a good reputation and rapport with the people of the state. And, and I said, look, every time I walked out there, every question I took, the next answer could have been the end of me politically. And, oh, yeah. and I understood that. And when you have to put in restrictions and, you, and you're looking at mask orders and where, what the right timing is and what the data is and are your systems working, how fast are you going to get a vaccine out, how do you get PPE where it needs to go? I mean, all the hundreds of things we had to manage. Every one of those could have been extremely problematic. And so I said very early on to my team, I'm gonna, gonna, we're going to have to make a, a hundred really, really hard decisions this week. And, and it, it, people, everyone's going to get upset at potentially everyone. And we just have to own that. But if it's the right decision, we believe it's the right thing for the state, that's, that's it. And we'll let the results, you know, fall where they may. And, and we've been blessed with great results. I got a great team. It is not just me. I, I, one thing, I'm, I'm not good at everything. <laughs> uh, but one thing I'm really good at, and I take a lot of pride in, is putting together good people with the right mission, the right talents that can work together, understand uh, goals and accountability, what we need to achieve. And holding them to it. And, and we've just been very transparent and very that's upfront it. about it. And, and it worked. Yeah, I think that's right. Because, I, you know, what you just said is it's a transparency 
with you and how you operated during COVID and what you were trying to accomplish, you know, you juxtapose that to, you know, one of your neighbors in the Northeast with Governor Cuomo. Listen, he was out every minute of the day out answering questions, but the difference was it was all a performance, right? And, that's it. And it you was gotta a, have that behind it. Yeah. That's right. I mean, what you were doing, and I think what a number of Republican governors did pretty well is explain the rationale right? Explain why you were making decisions and hope that it was the right decision. And over time, I think, you know, the way that we look back on your decision making is it was awfully effective. Let me ask you this. As we're going through, you know, whatever the Delta variant might be, you've got a, a wealth of experience at this point to look back on in terms of future decision making that you didn't have in, in April of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, are you comforted by that? Yes. Yeah, I'm covered by a few things. Uh, the team that we put together that had to rise to the occasion really did. And, um, and so I know that we can lean into the team. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I love having charts. So I'd come up with my press conferences. I always had my charts and my graph and my data, to your point, to be super transparent. So people knew that these are the trends we're seeing. You know, one thing through the pandemic, we, we always said, look, what I, you know, we're all in this together. Well, that's easy to say, but I wanted to people to really get that, that we were. What I know, you know. Right, and every that's why I came on every single day. This is what I've learned today. This is the decisions we're making based on the data that I just showed you. And so now we're, and now we're together on it. And by being super transparency, transparency is the foundation of public trust. Right. And public trust is the most important thing you need during a pandemic. And so, um, so that is is really I think the tools that that work for us very well. I stick by them. I know they work, and I believe in them, and and they've been proven. So yes, I feel very confident. And you know, when you talk about the Delta variant. Um, you think this is the last version of COVID we're going to see? <laughs> Heck no, right? Look, we're going to, if anything, we should be understanding. It's not like we need to beat the Delta variant. Of course we do, because there's another one coming, guys. There's probably something else and something else and something else. So let's play for the long game here. That's why people spending all their time over mask this, don't mask that. Stop it, right? Vaccine is the answer. There's, there's no doubt about it. If you want it, you should take it. We want everyone to take it because that's how we get out as a whole. But that's it. At the end of the day, it's also a personal choice. And so we have to respect people's decision. It isn't vaccine hesitancy right now. It's, it's, it's people saying, I, I don't want the vaccine. I've gotten my information. Thank you very much. That's and we don't give up on them. And you want to work with doctors. And so people keep getting more information and make good decisions. But you just do that through education and promoting the vaccine. And other than that, we're moving forward. And, and we have to because it's not just about tomorrow. It's about next year, three years, and five years from now when the word COVID is still going to be with us in some, in some realm. What an insanely reasonable take. Don't overthink it, man. I mean, that's the, other, you know, the secret of good politics. Don't overthink it. Be real. Be normal. Connect with people one-on-one. -on -one, listen to what they have to say. And, you know, use their, their input to help base good decisions. Uh, that's just like a symphony in my ears. Oh, <laughs> a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Going through New Hampshire to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're in your third term. And for those listeners who don't know, New Hampshire does it a little bit differently. You do your, your governorships in two-year terms, which must be exhausting. You know what you need, Governor? You need a, a six-year term. No, no. <laughs> I see where we're going. Good one. You almost had me. You almost had me, brother. No, you know. Uh, two-year terms, we're the only state other than Vermont that does two-year terms. And we also have the largest state government, right? We have 400 representatives here in New Hampshire. They get paid $100 a year. We have the, one of the largest bodies of government, but it is a truly a volunteer government, if you think of it that way. And you can fire every single one of us every two years. That is an amazing power 
of the people. Amazing connection. That's why we have such high voter turnout. That's why we're the first in the nation primary. That's just why we do it so well because we have such engagement and we have more local um, uh, control, local politics, if you will, than even state politics. And again, that gets you engaged. You know, your neighbor is the selectman. Your your boss is the the city alderman. Uh, if you have an issue with with where most of your taxes go, it's usually Fred who sits, who's a selectman and is also on the budget committee. And you see him in aisle seven at the grocery store. And if you don't like the way he's spending your money, you give him give him a piece of your mind. Oh, it's and that's awesome. an amazing. It's a it's it's the right way to do it. So, my point in all that is saying this. It is really frustrating once you're governor to have to get elected every two years. It is exhausting. It really is. And we've only had one governor go for four terms, not because they couldn't, but because winning an election every two years is, it really does wear on you. But it, we don't have term limits because we don't need them because it's a volunteer, effectively a volunteer government on the legislature side. So people really want to do it. They have passion. They're doing it for the right reasons. It's, it's hard on, on the, when you're an elected official uh, after a while to get to just keep that up and have to keep getting reelected, but it's an amazing power of the individual. Yeah. And I just think we, in that sense, yeah, it stinks that you have to do it every two years, but it's a wonderful process for the other 1.4 million people I represent. Well, you get to know your voters better. That's for sure. And, and you I have to, or you are, or you are fired. It doesn't matter what your, your policies are and what your politics are. If you're not engaging with people one-on-one, -on -one, they're going to fire you as they yeah. should. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So let me get into, we got to clear the decks on the serious business, the elephant in the room, or I'm not doing my job here. Uh, I'm all about I animals. Said, yeah. <laughs> I said at the top that I think you have more capability of anyone uh, in this country at saving us from our current trajectory. And the reason for that is I count myself amongst the, you know, literally millions of people who uh, across this country and particularly in New Hampshire are begging you to consider running for Senate. I know that this is a decision that you take extraordinarily seriously as you take your job. Um, where are you at in your process about whether you'll run? I'm not going to make a decision for a while. And, and let me explain a few things. I, I, do, I take it very seriously as well. It's nothing I ever considered before. I, I, I do not hide my disdain for Washington. And I am an equal opportunity curmudgeon when it comes to Washington, D.C. I think both parties are, are really hypocritical on, on different sides. Um, I think 80% of the people in Washington spend 80% of their time trying to get on television every night instead of <laughs> buckling in and, and trying to do their job. So I've never had a great love of that place at all. Um, I'm a fairly young guy. I got young kids. I got uh, two teenagers. I got an eighth grader. Uh, I've never, I was a civil engineer, an environmental engineer for 12 years. Then I went and I ran a, I bought and I ran a ski resort. And let me tell you, there ain't money in that business either. So it'd be great. I got kids to put through college. I got financial decisions to consider as a, as a, as someone who has a fairly young family. Um, I love New Hampshire. I love this state. And, and, and I think we've done a great job for it. I'm so proud of what we've done for the 603. So the, I'm blessed in that I have a lot of options. Do I run for governor again? Do I maybe run for Senate? Do I just go to the private sector and make a semi-decent paycheck and focus on my family and all that that I, I, I need to do, obviously, at some point? Um, but I also have the responsibility, I think, of not making a decision soon. And I say that because just as the point you brought up, um, I, I think New Hampshire has deserved a year off from campaigns and elections. And if I were to get in the race, it would be it would be big. There's no doubt about it. We all know that it would be probably the premier uh, Senate race in the country. And, and it really could be the, the very big difference maker. But people need a break. OK, 2020 sucked. 
It did. And I'm, I say that in all sincerity as a governor, um, it was hard on everybody. The pandemic, the politics, the craziness, the riots, we could go on with that list. How about we enjoy 21? How about we have that vacation we didn't have? And I love being governor. And if I start running for something, whether it's governor or Senate, you kind of become a candidate. And, and I just want to be a governor that is focusing on mental health and substance use disorder and rebuilding systems. I love designing stuff. We just got through a great legislative session with massive tax cuts. I'm very proud, most fiscally responsible governor yes. in the country and all that kind of good stuff. But I love being governor and I love engaging with people, not about politics and not as a candidate and not as the COVID guy. I just want to do my job and, uh, and I love doing that. And then we'll let, we'll let, hopefully I get good results and whatever I decide, um, we'll let the chips fall where they may from there. Uh, all this reasonability and thoughtfulness is <laughs> making me sick. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone worries what they say, well, you, you, you need to raise money. Stop it. Stop it. Do you know how much money is wasted in politics? You do I need to raise it. I do, Look, if you've got a good product, you got to market it, right? you got to sell it. I get all that. But this is not about the race. It's about, I ask the question all the time. People say, you know, what do you need to know? You know, we want you to run. Well, how can we answer and help you out? And I said, I'm not worried about the race, guys. I'm worried about the day after the race. How yeah, is do? my skill set as a manager, as someone who likes to design systems, does that complement or work in Washington? I don't know if it does. Is that, can I really be a thought leader there? And, and if anything, the responsibility of maybe inspiring other people, right? How do I inspire other young candidates to want to get involved in the right way? Not just, not just on the Republican side, but in, in the right way with the right thought and the right empathy. You know, I take that, that very responsibly. And yeah. so can I, can I do that there? I, I know I, I think we're having a lot of success here in New Hampshire, but am I going to get sucked into the Washington bubble, which is very real and a very terrible place to be, uh, <laughs> frankly. Um, and, and how do I deal with that? And you think, oh, someone said, you, you get to do it for six years. You wouldn't have to run again for six years, as if that's a good thing. And for me, it's, it's not. I think, oh, I'd have to be down there for six years. Can I give 110%, 110% of the time for six years nonstop, knowing that there's so many challenges ahead? I, so it's a big decision, man. It's, it really yeah, is. It's not about winning and getting elected. For some, it is. It's just about knowing that you can actually do the job to the level that I give myself a pretty high standard and, and I want oh, to live no up. Question. That's all. No question. I think from my perspective as somebody who used to wear a different hat, whose job it was is to, to try to recruit folks like mm. you. Um, what I'll say about whether or not you can be effective. I, I actually think the Senate in some ways is custom made for leadership like yours at this particular time. And the reason that I say that is, and I'm not going to drag you into an oppo dump on your prospective opponent, but I mean, the reality is, is that nobody is ever asking where Maggie Hassan is on big issues, right? Nobody's asking her, you know, whether or not she's going to support the democratic agenda. It's always like cinema, this Joe Manchin, that, you know, where the, the, the entire agenda sinks or swims based on West Virginia and Arizona's point of view. Here, you've got somebody who fashions herself as a moderate who spends literally zero time trying to actually impact anything right and so if you take that out just if you're looking at like a tetris puzzle you take that piece out you put a, somebody like governor chris Sununu who has a proven record on economic issues like you said the most fiscally conservative governor in the country and knows the policy and spends the time to actually get something done do you know how much different policy would look like here? Yeah, I mean, so the, yeah, I mean, look, the question is, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer. I mean, I, I do care about these big issues, right? I talk to citizens all the time that are, are fixed income, Social Security, Medicare. Uh, this stuff is all going bankrupt. 
It is going to fail like really, really soon. And so I look at them and I go, oh my God, like, I don't know if they understand how, how messed up this situation is. And they're relying on that. Right. And so, you know, can I go down there and really fix that? And, and I have to be honest, I talk as many Republicans and Democrats that I talk to, they're like, yeah, it will never get fixed. No, you can't do it. You can't do it. I'm like, you better do it. There's no, there's no option. It's a hell of a take, right? $28 trillion is a very real number. It's gotten so big that it's become unreal, but it's very real. And so I do look at those issues and I do think I could help. There's no doubt about that. And I think I have something to offer. But is it one of 99 that in, in a system that is not broken? I don't believe the system's broken at all. I think it's a wonderful system, frankly. But, um, but with, with 99 individuals that are impassioned about their own political careers more than, than getting the results. And, and right. I'm, just, I'm an engineer, man. I, I want to design a system. I want to get a result. I want to design a system that's flexible because you never get it right the first time. I, I don't mind owning problems and owning things that, that don't always work. But you got to go. You got to say, look, we're going to try these 100 things on on immigration or whatever, whatever. And know, know that it's not all going to be perfect. That's okay. We're going to try a bunch of things. And if, if things don't work, we've designed flexibility so we can move funding or move policy or move rules and guidance uh, to pivot around a better solution. And so there's always a way to do it. I just don't know if Washington, uh, I, don't, I guess I, I don't know if Washington can handle me, Josh. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean look, it's a fair I don't know if they're ready question. for me. <laughs> but I think, you know, we went through a period in the mid-20-teens where an awful lot of people ran for office, as you just suggested, trying to get on TV or be political famous or write a book or, or you know, be on a radio show. Or be- What's with, what is with this writing a book while you're an elected? Who has time for that? <laughs> I don't get that either. It that seems shocks? like it's, it's a thing though, right? So, but I have interviewed because of, of this program, because of Ruthless, I've been able to talk to a whole lot of people who I haven't been able to talk to before. And I think over the last couple of months, there's been sort of a revelation to me that the people who were elected in the last couple of cycles aren't really interested in being political famous. There are an awful lot of people who rolled up their sleeves, who got into this for the right reasons, who have friends and neighbors that are truly underrepresented, who want to bring their voice to D.C. Now, they happen to be in the minority, right? And, And so they're scratching and clawing to make a difference around the edges. But I really think that we are now at a two or four year precipice where there could be some serious conservative reform that address the big issues like you just talked about, like Social Security. And Medi- the answer to, to whether you can do it or not is it's either there or not, right? Right. right. And, and these are the big things that we need really smart people who are committed, who aren't interested in their own political, you know, sort of profile, right. but rather just helping people. And I think that's why I've been such a huge fan of yours is that I, I think that's the definition of your public service up to this. So point. I, I was talking to a, a congressman recently. Um, I had just met him, a really super nice guy. And I think one of the individuals you're, you're probably talking about, um, a, a young individual that had just got elected, tons of energy. And, I, and he, we were talking about Medicare. And I said, and he said, look, man, I mean, the hard thing about something like rebuilding and, and making sure that we fund Medicare properly and making some of the changes we need is, you know, they're, they're going to run those ads that, you know, you took my Medicare. And I said, um, the, the Democrats are going to run those ads anyway, no matter what happens. So you might as well get a good result and actually fix the thing too. But I, I also said, look, believe in what you're doing. If you get a better result, the results will take care, the politics will take care of itself. So right. you've got to get this stuff done. And I'm also, I saw a poll recently, I don't know if you saw this, I, like two days ago, where two third, they polled people and two thirds of Republicans and two thirds of Democrats believe people from the other party are inherently evil or something yeah. like that. And CNN posted that. 
I don't. Look, I do believe 95% of people get into politics and service for the right reason. I think a lot of people lose courage to get things done. And, and you know, I don't want to sound holier than thou, um, but that's typically what happens in Washington. They get more, well, I got to get reelected again. Um, I don't, I don't really think like that. I think a lot of people don't, but I don't think the other side is evil. I think they have a passion. You Look, I think AOC believes everything she believes. I think Bernie Sanders believes all of that nonsense that he believes. And in some ways, I respect them for it. They stick to their yeah, At least they're honest about it. They're honest about it, right? So I, I can respect that. You know where they are. Um, I vehemently disagree with it, with the majority of it, but I respect that in some ways a lot more than people that just don't want to do anything, avoid the, um, avoid the you know, uh, pushing themselves to actually get something done in the hopes that they, they stay under the radar to survive another election. It's like, you're just wasting space here, you know? Yeah. And, and I just think there's a lot of folks on both sides of the aisle that, that worry about that. They yeah, want to make sure they can sell another book. I can think of one in particular that uh, fits the profile you just described. <laughs> we won't go into that. We won't go into that. I got three big questions for you. These are the ones that the, the minions, all the listeners are ruthless, pay attention to governor. So here's the first one. Okay. Your last meal on earth. What would it oh, be? Oh, I was told you were going to ask me something like this. Uh, my last meal on earth. My, first, my mom's meatloaf. I don't know. Okay. I'm just, yeah, no, my, something from my mom. My mom was a great cook. Yeah, my mom's meatloaf. Um, my mom was full Irish, but she also made a great grape leaf too. So I'll give her credit there. Oh. But I'll go with the meatloaf. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. The meatloaf works. And you do have the, the Lebanese connection. My wife's Lebanese. So I've yeah. got an appreciation for Lebanese food. Grape I, won a, uh, I won a grape leaf cook-off uh, for charity uh, against an amazing uh, older Lebanese woman who had been cooking grape leaves for, for years. And I told the judges, you, you know, the governor cannot win. You, no, you she's got to win. She's and, uh, win. No, they all voted for me and I won. And I felt terrible about it and wonderful at the same time. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I won. Yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. So second question is, if you never got into politics at all, yeah. I know you were an engineer, yeah. but this is a blue sky question, right? If you never got into politics at all, what, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, that's an easy one. You know, I almost went to Hollywood movies. I was, in the film business. I was going to be in the film business. I got my, my master, or not my master's, I got my degree in civil environmental engineering at MIT. And I got a minor in film. I went to NYU film school. I don't know if anyone knows that, but that is, no. I took a, I, a, a, a very, very like a half summer brief semester to kind of test NYU film school out. Um, I got a job offer over in Hollywood and I was going to, I love that stuff. I love movies and big blockbusters. Uh, NYU is very esoteric. It was very weird. And New York's a very lonely place. And it kind of, Pushed me off of, of the movie thing a little bit. And look, man, I had just spent like $100,000 on an engineering degree from MIT. <laughs> I was like, am I really not going to use this thing? Right? So <laughs> I kind of felt an obligation to be a, an engineer. So that's why I went into engineering. But no, I always, I always wonder what would happen. And, and I would love to get into movies and show, you know, not show business per se, but either directing or writing. And I mean, everyone is the aspiring writer with a, uh, uh, a couple of movie scripts that are just waiting oh, to I be found the in the desk, right? Yeah, totally. Well, you never know. You never know. That could never still, know. You could be writing your own film right now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Third question. What motivates you more, Governor, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And, uh, the, way, and the way you think about this, right? The thrill of victory, optimist, glass half full, sort of mm. approach the agony of defeats the michael jordan character who's like literally winning's fine but every day nobody's gonna beat me yeah like political <laughs> defeat i'm i'm not i'm not familiar with that term i suppose um, <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding subtle i love uh, it. no uh well i would say this i um 
it's, it's the defeat. Uh, I don't know if it's agony of defeat, but it's the fear of defeat. How about that? Because look, yeah. I, I got a responsibility. <laughs> like I, I don't want to, it's not just me. I don't want to, people have invested in this state. They're moving here. Their businesses are coming here. They've invested in this administration. I don't want to let them down. Right. Yeah. So if anything, I, it, what pushes me harder is not to let them down, I suppose. And, and, and I haven't really thought of it that way, but I, I guess that's probably the best answer I could give. I, I just, I wake up every day and I'm like, oh boy, don't screw this up. People are really counting on you to get this right, whether it's the pandemic or the economy or whatever. I mean, SUD and, and substance use or be mental health as we rebuild that system. It's a lot of families that are waking up with a lot of problems and they're really hoping the system doesn't break down for them like they saw it break down years past. So, um, and we, I think we're doing good stuff. I really do. But I, I guess it's the fear of, of letting all them down. Yeah, that yeah. probably keeps driving me. Listen, that's a, that's a great answer. Very mm -hmm. clear on where you come down, Governor. Listen, man, this has been an absolute That's it? pleasure. I could do this all day. This is awesome. I mean, I, I can go it. as long as you want to. I think your staff would jump through the screen and strangle me to death. No, I could, trust me. You know, I'm, I'm proud to say I have one of the smallest staffs in the country, and, and not by height. I just mean like, like the fewest <laughs> number of people. Um, we, keep, we keep things pretty real here. It's New Hampshire, right? We, it's about local stuff, not us. You know, we always try to push it off. I, look, I always say I'm the head of government and I'm telling you, don't trust the government. <laughs> Believe me, um, trust but verify. I think we're doing some good stuff, but you better get results from people and you better hold everybody accountable uh, to those results. And the way to do that is connectivity. I can't be connected if I have a giant staff surrounding me at all times. So I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, is this, let, let me just ask you this because I didn't get to it. You said you owned a ski resort at some point? So I, I, I grew up skiing, right? And there was a ski resort that we loved called Waterville Valley Resort um, uh, in the middle of New Hampshire that was owned by a national company. And some guys came and said, hey, I was working as a, I'd gone from engineering and done a little business consulting. And they came and they said, hey, this is way before I was obviously in politics. And they said, we need some help writing a business plan because we want to relocalize this ski resort from this national company. They might be interested in selling. So I helped them write the business plan. And then I helped them do the financial model. And then I happened to know the guys that had owned it. And I, I talked to the guys that uh, out west that had owned the, the local resort. And I said, would you be interested in selling? And then I started introducing people to the investors. Next thing I know, the, the investors said, okay, we'll, we'll invest in this thing. I mean, I didn't have any real money to put into it. But they said, look, Chris, we'll invest in this thing, but we want you to run it. And I said, I'm an engineer. I don't, I don't know how to run a ski resort. I can ski. But. Yeah, right. I, I'll make sure the cheeseburgers are warm. But. And they said, well, who wrote the business plan? I said, I did. And they said, who did the finance? I said, I did. And they said, well, then, but that's what we're investing in. This is what we're investing in. You got it. And, and you know how to lead. And so next thing I knew, I went from one career to another. And I was um, the CEO and, and for a while, the day-to-day -day general manager for years at a ski resort. And we did well. And it still does well. Now that I'm the governor... My family kind of manages that at the board level. I, I have to keep my, my distance from it. But I got to tell you, and also not to drag this conversation beyond where you want it to go, but you know, that's the other thing. I, I believe you have to go through the turmoils of sweating out making payroll the next day. Oh, yeah. And, and I did. And it was hard. You, you, you get rain the day before Christmas vacation. Let me tell uh. you something. You're not sleeping and you're making, you, you panic over the fact that I got 800 employees counting on me that they can bring a paycheck home tomorrow. I get investors that have invested in me to get their return. And you got to go through those trials and tribulations and those struggles to really understand what good management requires sometimes and it requires some hard decision. And at the end of the day, it's, it was, it worked out great. And, you know, it's been uh, fairly successful, but it's, 
you need leadership, whether it's the planning board or the governor or the president that knows, that has sweat that out a little bit, you know, that real sweat equity and that experience they can lean on. Like your, your previous question, what do you take from some of these tough times? You've got to be able to pull something from. And, and I just lean on those experiences to, to hopefully make, to be able to make tough decisions and the responsibility to others. So anyway, that's probably no, not I, listen, I'm that, so but. glad we got to that question because yeah. I think that illuminates more about who you are and your governing philosophy than maybe anything we talked about previously. That's the, the fierce urgency that you've got on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> that's why I should never elect a lawyer to anything, frankly. Because <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, those, those buggers get paid. They've never had to sweat it out. Those guys are getting paid no matter what. It's stupid. Keep billing. <laughs> yeah. Look, you can get really smart lawyers. Don't get me wrong. But they've never truly, a lot, most of them, frankly, haven't truly sweat out a lot of, a lot of them having to make tough decisions. They're, they're billing you. They're getting a lot of money. They're taking their 30% or whatever it is. And so I'm not here just to bash on lawyers, but to say, I'd rather hire Fred at Fred's flower shop that has hired four employees that has had to struggle through the COVID pandemic and stay open and make tough decisions. I'd rather hire that guy than the most expensive Wall Street lawyer in the world to run anything because he's gone through it. He's gone through turmoil and he's going to have that connection to the individual, that empathy, if you will, for the business owner or just the, the person trying to keep their job in terms of what the barriers are for them being successful. And if you have that connection, you, you can make good decisions, not always the right ones, but you can make good decisions and, and you can also have the flexibility to pivot on your bad ones. Listen, governor, you're going to have the minions banging down your door. <laughs> They're dragging you to Washington. If we go five minutes more, I'm afraid that we're going to start a riot. This has been, this has been, absolutely- we've had enough of that nonsense. I haven't. No America. kidding. Good Lord. No well, kidding. this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Anytime. I'm, I'm happy to, I just, this is therapy for me. I feel like Charlie Brown. I, I you're Lucy. I owe you like five cents at the at the therapy booth. Uh, this is great. I love talking. And, and the, the big thing for me also, I love hearing your questions. If you don't mind me saying, because um, that's how I figure out what's on people's mind, right? Not just the political okay. stuff, but like when someone comes up and asks me a question, I say, okay, this person has one chance to ask the governor a question. It's probably really weighing on them, right? This isn't frivolous for the most part. You're frivolous, but no, yeah, mostly. But, but really, getting people's questions makes you got to listen to that. And then you go, wow, okay, maybe I didn't realize that's where people are coming from. That's where their anxieties and their concerns are. And it helps us pivot where our, maybe sometimes what we think our priorities are, right? No, what totally. my priorities might be might not be what 1.3 million people in, uh, in, in New Hampshire have for their priorities. So, and you got to have the courage to pivot that and, and focus where the, you only have 24 hours in the day, even as governor. And so you got to make sure they count, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if look, if there's one thing that Ruthless is, has given me personally in doing these kind of interviews, it's allowed me to help show the, the other side of politics and the people who, who are involved in it and not run it through the lens of the, you know, the three divisive questions that the media are going to give you in a mm-hmm. five minute interview on cable television. Right. And so like this interview is a perfect example. Like I, at the end of this, our people know who you are now. Right. And that's the whole goal of this entire discussion. Well, look, I, 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 like I said, transparency is the foundation of public trust. And if you don't have that, you, you can't do your job really effectively. So I just try to, these are the ABCs of me, baby. And uh, <laughs> we just let the chips fall where they may. And that's fine. You know, you got to be real. I love it. Governor Grisanunu, thank you so much for being here. We're going to check back with you. I know that you're uh, getting your door pounded down by everybody asking you to run for Senate. But listen, come back and talk to us about anything, anytime. Well, if I'm, in, if I'm in your neck of the woods, I'll come back and pound on your door. We'll do something in studio. That'd be fun. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. Excellent. Governor, thanks, right. thanks, for, thanks so much. Thank you, brother. Be good. 
Well, that's an outstanding interview. My main takeaway is I think Sununu should run for Senate. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great takeaway. I think it's a great takeaway. I've never, he's the first interview I think we've ever had who got to the end of the interview and he's like, what, that's it? Like, we can't, we can't keep going. I'm like, man, we, your press staff's going to kill me, but we can do this all day if you want. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) I just love the guy. He's so, he's so reasonable. He's untouchable in New Hampshire. I mean, they just love him and for good reason. He's done incredible work, but anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed it. And that was uh, another banger of an episode. Gentlemen, nice work all around. Congratulations, Tom Nichols, our new king of the hill. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.